0: Hi there, this is Heather Campus. Welcome to After the Gold Rush, our podcast celebrating the culture and the history of Nevada County, California. Thank you all so much for joining us today. I hope that you are all finding ways to love on another bright and sunny Nevada County summer. The Yupa River is looking beautiful and fighting, and I'm reminded how great it is to live in a spot where we can all enjoy our natural surroundings. But I have to say that we are having a weird summer here in Nevada County as well. I'm feeling so stressed by all of our small town controversy around wearing masks and the Black Lives Matter movement, and seemingly our coronavirus numbers are beginning to grow again at an alarming rate. We were just starting to go out more, even to the Crazy Horse, where Gary actually played last week, but now we are back to staying at home. Currently, it's 90 degrees here in Nevada City, and I'm wishing that I had a pool. Our garden is growing like crazy, and our pumpkin vines are threatening to take over the place. We are awaiting the ripening of about 100 apricots from our apricot tree, and I predict that this heat wave we're going to have a mega harvest in mere days. So I have my mason jars and an excellent apricot frozen yogurt recipe at the ready. So that's where we stand right now. In today's episode of After the Gold Rush, we are going to be looking back to Nevada City's bustling Chinatown in the late 1800s. This is when the address of 311 Commercial Street in Nevada City was the home of Sin Lee Laundry, making the corner of Commercial and South Pine smell of clean, fresh linens and lemon soap. But first, let's start our story in a little less distant past with a similar hot summer day in these Sierra foothills. It is June 1977. I am eight years old and sitting in the back of my grandmother's royal red Cadillac, swaying our way through rough and ready highway. I slide about in the back seat of grandma's car as we wind our way through the scrub oak lined and narrowing drive. I'm looking for my favorite white dollhouse like chapel that reminds me of the little house on the prairie. This is where I imagine my future wedding. All the while, trying not to let my car sickness get the best of me. My cousin and I are joining our grandmother today for her senior's ballet lesson at Nellie's Dance Studio located in Grass Valley. We are visiting our grandparents in Lake Wildwood for the two week summer vacation. The broad and straight Highway 20 thoroughfare from Penn Valley to Grass Valley is somewhere in the hazy future, along with the Raley's Supermarket, Staples, JCPenney's, and any other big box retail. Anytime we do need to go to the one existing supermarket in Grass Valley, or the public library, or a senior ballet lesson, we must take this 20 minute winding pass. Grandma is wearing a shell pink exercise suit and leotard and has her black ballet slippers tucked into her purse. My cousin and I were wearing jean cutoff shorts, tube tops, and rainbow flip flops. We spend the morning with Grandma's ballet buddies, intently doing our pliés and grand jetés across Nellie's plankwood floor to a scratchy Chopin soundtrack. Afterwards, our grandmother proudly introduces us to Nellie as we slip back into our flip-flops and politely shake hands. We then head back through the dusty, hot, rough-and-ready highway to lunch and swimming. Grandma's house is air-conditioned and faces the green, shifting lake water. Her kitchen windowsill is full of hummingbird feeders, and the whole house smells like slow-cooking spaghetti sauce. We grab our towels off the wood deck handrail and run towards her sandy beach daring each other to jump off the wooden dock first in order to scare away the catfish. Our Hollywood glamorous grandma makes her way down to the beach carrying a tray of salami sandwiches and grape soda. She sits in her low back chair with her wide-brimmed straw hat. She watches as we eat our sandwiches. And then as we rush to catch... The silvery darting minnows with our sand buckets. Her radio is tuned to the classical station, and her hand rests absent mindedly into the sand, sifting it with her fingers. She suddenly holds a metal chunk to the sun a rusty, bronzed, square headed nail. She calls for my cousin and I to come get a closer look and she tells us the story of this 150 year old Chinese nail. For thousands of years, the traditional hand forged square nail was tapered with a square head. The head was hammered and attached by a blacksmith. One nail at a time was heated and laboriously pounded out to shape with a hammer on an anvil. She explains to us that Lake Wildwood was a man-made lake created by the damming of Deer Creek. That in the 1850s, along Deer Creek, the Chinese mining immigrants had a settlement camp and would work the Deer Creek diggings looking for gold. She will add this square-headed nail later to the coffee can collection sitting on a shelf in her garage. My grandparents' property, one of the first developed in Lake Wildwood, has been full of these antique square-headed nails made by the Chinese miners. You would not need to search very hard to find relics of their past buried here. In 1849, people were coming to Northern California from all over the world to look for gold. Nearly 80% of these were Americans and Europeans from the East. The remaining percentage was made of largely young Chinese men. At that time, war, famine, and a poor economy in southeastern China caused many men to come to America. Most of them hope to find great wealth and then return to China. In fact, Nevada City's Chinese Cemetery, which is peacefully tucked in the pines, has many empty graves. Most Chinese wanted their bones shipped back to China to be buried in their homeland and considered their stay in California to be temporary on all counts. Between 1849 and 1853, about 24,000 young Chinese men who drawn together by a common language settled in camps scattered along the tributaries of the Yuba and Bear rivers. The census of 1852 showed 3,396 Chinese living in Nevada County. And by 1880, they constituted 22% of California's mining population, making them the largest single nationality engaged in mining in our hills. However, Chinese immigrants soon found that the many Euro-Americans did not welcome them. As white miners moved from depleted diggings onto their new claims, the Chinese would buy the discarded territories and work them slowly and steadily and profitably. However, in 1852, seemingly right after the California census, California placed a high monthly tax on all foreign miners. Chinese miners had no choice but to pay this exorbitant tax if they wanted to continue to mine for gold. Therefore, Nevada County collected $103,000 in foreign miners tax almost exclusively from the Chinese between 1850 and 1870. Chinese workers were also the targets of violent attacks in the mining camps and the legal system offered little protection. It always favored the Euro-Americans over Chinese and indigenous tribes, as well as other immigrants. Many Chinese immigrants continued to work in the gold mines despite such treatments. Nevada County towns such as Grass Valley, French Corral, North San Juan, North Bloomfield, Washington, and Nevada City had a commercially oriented Chinese community that served the unique needs of the Chinese miners. Nevada City's Chinese Quarter was the largest and most developed. It extended along Commercial Street from South Pine past York Street all the way to the top of Broad Street. Here, the hardworking miners along Deer Creek could find a place to buy supplies and socialize with those who spoke a common language. General stores here provided traditional foods from home, clothing and tools, as well as a place to pick up mail, messages, local news of the day, and look for job and investment opportunities. The Chinese Quarter was also a place to gather for special celebrations such as the Chinese New Year. The Chinese Quarter also held space for an opium den and a brothel. In the area where the commercial street parking lot and monument currently stand, there was a slaughter yard, a vegetable garden and a temple for spiritual practices. Most of the original buildings were simple structures made of locally-milled lumber. When a major fire in June of 1880 devastated the Chinese Quarter, Nevada City passed an ordinance stating, All Chinese shall be removed from Nevada City within 60 days. This was during a time when such ordinances against the Chinese people were common throughout California. Although a new Chinatown was established just outside of town, the city could not effectively prevent the Chinese from re-establishing themselves along Commercial Street between York and Pine. The 19th century Californian attitude towards the Chinese was patronizing at best. The Chinese made undeniable contributions to the economy of this frontier by providing a reliable source of inexpensive labor to both our gold mines and our transcontinental railroad, where it is said that the Chinese were in charge of dynamiting the huge granite slabs in the Sierras in order to bring the train through. When the Transcontinental Railroad was completed in 1869, thousands of unemployed Chinese went looking for work. At the same time, California was experiencing an economic depression for which the Chinese were ultimately blamed. The Chinese Exclusion Act was then passed, which prohibited immigrants from China from 1882 all the way to 1936. It is now June 2020. My aunt and uncle now live in the Lake Wildwood home with the hummingbird feeders and the spaghetti sauce and the minnows in the green shifting lake water. Unfortunately, today our country and our county also finds itself embroiled in a familiar pattern of systemic racism that seemingly has seeped deeply into the roots of our small mountain town. Nevada County remains the second least diverse county in the state of California. We are rarely faced with the opportunity to, as a community, imbue cultural acceptance. Our Anglo-whiteness is only challenged by our individual socioeconomic status and our stratifying political beliefs. As our nation begins to grasp with the magnitude of the Black Lives Matter movement, I was also deeply saddened to learn of an active white supremacist cell in our county that is proudly displaying their emboldened social media presence. As well as busily spreading their propaganda at our local BLM events. I was also disappointed in our local newspaper's adoption of a boys will be boys tonality in its reporting of this event. What good does any of this do? We also have been shocked by the recent open letter shared by Olivia Steele regarding the proud use of bigotry and prejudice in our local mineshaft bar in Nevada City. The people of our community who continue to embrace or even thinly veil these behaviors and ideologies will very soon find themselves on the wrong side of progression and even commerce in this county. I pray that the fears, mental health issues, and opportunistic propaganda that are fueling these hateful behaviors are quickly recognized and managed in a pro-social way by our Nevada County community. We need kindness right now. We need to see each other and come together as brothers and sisters. We are a small town of values. We know how to take care of each other. We are neighbors who look out for each other we lend a hand to the senior citizen who has a flat tire out on Greenhorn Road or to the young mother who dropped her wallet at the Flower Garden Bakery. We help raise money for the family in North San Juan who has a sick toddler and support the returning military veterans who come home to the small town from all four corners of the globe because they call these dirt roads These cedar groves home. Nevada County, please become one of the raised voices and raise your awareness to the changing tide of racial relations in this country and in our county. If you have not already, I implore you, please consider joining one of the many civil rights groups. Consider walking with a BLM event. Vote and spend your money with a conscience that lends towards humanity, love, and equality. We are all making history right now. Please show up and be a part of it. We need to show that small-town America and rural Northern California does not equal small-mindedness or racial discrimination. Please join me and unite as we send the message that hate speech and violent threats towards any person will not be tolerated in Nevada County. I would like to dedicate today's episode of After the Gold Rush to my late grandmother, Elise Aquino, who introduced me to Nevada County, risk-taking, and Chopin. She was kind-hearted and an eager supporter of civil rights. Until next time, Nevada County, be well and be kind to each other. This is Heather Campus with After the Gold Rush.